Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I was recently asked what our podcast was about, and I replied that it was about two things. And those two things you're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> those are Christianity and politics. So why are we not supposed to talk about these two things? Well, most people have strong opinions about these particular subjects, and you can be looked at negatively for expressing the truth in them. We especially see this kind of hypocrisy among the progressive or the, or the leftist crowd. They say that they are for you know certain things, but when put to the test, they fail to demonstrate that they even care about them at all. For example, they may say that they care about the black community, uh, and, and, and obviously way more than anyone else, right? But if a black individual speaks about conservative ideals, well, they call him an Uncle Tom. Uh, they'll, they'll call him a traitor even. They may say that they want to see, let's say, women in high positions of leadership within large private companies. But if they disagree, if that particular woman disagrees with any of the Democratic talking points, well, they demand their resignation or even firing. Let me, let me give you a, a very real example. And this comes from the Daily Wire and an interview that they did with Jennifer Say. Jennifer Say was a leading candidate to head a, a multi-million dollar corporation. And you probably recognize it's called Levi Strauss and Company. <laughs> you may even have a few of their jeans in your closet. And, and she was that leading candidate to head that company until she veered outside the acceptable left-wing narrative on COVID policies and refused to shut up. The well-liked liberal executive, she actually has a lot of liberal ideas, was pushed out at Levi's in February of this year after her vetting for CEO was derailed by social media posts and activism pushing back against school closures and mass policies for children. Though Say never ran into a problem with her employer for speaking out online about liberal causes or politics, of course not, the executive was encouraged numerous times to effectively shut up about her views on, on the lockdowns. When the mother of four was told that she had no place at Levi's, the company reportedly wanted Say to stay on until they found her replacement and to accept the exit package that included a non-disclosure agreement. Well, guess what? She refused and left the company in February. Now, the release of her new book, just around the corner, uh, called Levi's Unbuttoned, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice, um, is, is due out uh, actually, uh, it, it is, it's due out this month. Um, uh, it might even come out today, uh, is, is what they're, they're projecting. Uh, say isn't about to, to slow down though. 
the Daily Wire spoke to to say about the the saga at Levi's and and the COVID accountability and the, the corporate hypocrisy and 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 where she now aligns politically. And this is what they asked her. They said, "Was it something specific that you posted about, or did that first one get the attention of Levi's? What what first got their their attention?" And Say said that there was nothing specific for the first year. It was very tempered. I opposed playground closures and, and school closures. And Levi's didn't like that because it went against the Democratic Party and the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. They first started, quote, talking to me, unquote, about it in September of 2020. I'd been posting about it uh, since March, but it must have taken a while for anyone to notice. (laughs) My, quote, talking to, unquote, happened just as the kids of all the other Levi's executives were returning to private schools. Uh, The private schools, of course, opened in San Francisco uh, in fall of 2020, while public schools stayed closed for a full additional year past that. The hypocrisy and, well selfishness here is staggering. It was basically them saying to me, she said, you can't advocate for the very thing that my children have. But when I went on Fox News and the Ingram angle with Laura Ingram in March of 2021, it really sent everyone over the edge. (laughs) I'd consider, uh, I'd consider the, with the, the, the enemy and that made me the enemy. So um, she she consorted with the, with the enemy and that made her the enemy now. From then on, I was considered a racist, an ageist, an anti-gay, anti-trans, uh, fat phobic, anti-everything, right? <laughs> I was evil because I spoke with Ingram. That was a real turning point in terms of the vitriol uh, directed at me from employees. Another turning point was this this tweet uh, posted by a friend of mine, uh, civil liberties attorney Jenin uh, Yonans. Uh, the The photo was taken um, at her house, and um, and she said that our support for Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, someone none of us can vote for because none of us live in Florida, <laughs> so so meant. As a bit of a joke, of course, uh, like, oh, isn't it funny all these former lefties support DeSantis, uh, was in reference to his opening of the schools and limited lockdowns overall. This tweet got the attention of the Twitter mob and was often used to cite me being anti-LGBTQ while tagging my employer, of course, in these tweets. So this caused some trouble for me as well. And lastly, I posted articles about the governor recall election in California in the fall of 2021. Without specifically citing my support for the recall, it was pretty clear that I did not support Governor Galvin Newsom. So uh, the Daily Wire, um, uh, they... they uh, they asked, uh, you know, this question and and noted that she actually lives in Denver, Colorado, uh, and, at, and at least at that point anyway, and uh, and and so she wasn't able to actually, you know, 
uh, vote for the recall election in in California. And she and went ahead and said that the head of corporate communications asked me not to post about this at all because of Haas family, who are the majority stakeholders in, in Levi Strauss and company, uh, and their connections to the governor. To me, this says all you need to know. At work, the real issue, I went against the Democratic Party. It really was discrimination based on political viewpoint. Well, Anita Water said, did you uh, at all get the sense that, that people supportive of lockdowns were immune to the uh, repercussions of, of such policies? And she said, yes, I, I, they absolutely were. They, they could easily stay home, work from home. Their jobs weren't at risk. They they could order Uber Eats. They could watch Netflix. They could get their kids a, a learning pod or, or better yet, send them to private school. Their world continued and it was just fine. And they felt very morally superior for being lockdown enthusiasts and having, you know, working class people bring food to, to your door. But wealthy people cheering lockdowns and and even worse, asserting moral superiority in doing so, are the least empathetic, least progressive type of people I can fathom. This is interesting what she says here. She says they don't care about equality, despite the in this house we believe signs in their windows. They are selfish and entitled and they insist that they are virtuous and altruistic and 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 while aggressively pursuing their own uh, perceived interests this is what turned me away from the democrats the hypocrisy is so glaring and so grotesque i can't align myself with it and she was asked did you ever expect levi's to defend you after decades with the company and she said, I don't know. I, I suppose a part of me expected a bit of, you, you don't have to agree with her, but she, she has a right to say it type thing. And I was really well-liked. I'd been there close to 23 years. I was kind of the embodiment of the whole company, the ethos vibe. The, the CEO called me a culture carrier. Uh, meaning I, I furthered the culture of the company. But a part of me always knew I was doomed from the start. The San Francisco bubble is hard to explain. Everyone seems to believe that the only morally defensible position was to stay home all the time. And that, on, that only a, a, a very bad person would believe otherwise. She was asked, do you think that you have been named, uh, you would have been named CEO if you had just shut up about the COVID policy? Just, I, I think if I'd shut up about it early enough, yes, there was a point where it was too late. Screen grabs live forever. And they, and they would have concluded that I was too controversial. And what's more, they would have found me too um, un- uh, constrainable. Uh, I wasn't following orders. But if I had stopped in September 2020, well, when you know that's that's when I when I, I was first asked to. Well, yes, I I think I would have been the next CEO. 
I was very qualified. I was a well-respected and well-liked leader. I delivered strong results over many years, and they would have loved to name a woman and someone who came up through the, uh, the company ranks. And then she was asked, did you ever post anything political on social media before COVID? Uh, were there ever any repercussions for that? She said, yes, I, I was always pretty active on social media. I, I didn't have many followers, but I didn't shy away from politics. No one ever cared or commented or nudged me in any direction. Politically, most of what I said aligned with their politics. If anything, I was further to the left, but still within the acceptable confines of the Democratic Party. She said, since leaving Levi's, um, this is the question that she was asked, since leaving Levi's, we've seen woke corporations paying for their employees to have abortions. And what, what do you make of this? She said, you know, I, I feel like this is just virtue signaling. They've announced they will do so. But are they? How many people are really availing themselves of this service. For companies in California, like Levi's, that offer healthcare benefits and, and things like this, this, this was all covered before. It's, it's not a change. It's a virtue signal. At Levi's, based in, the, in, in San Francisco, abortion is legal and part of women's medical care costs. Therefore, it's covered by insurance. They have a relatively small number of employees in Texas, and even smaller number are women of childbearing age, and even smaller number are women who are pregnant and don't wish to be. So announcing this to the world, that the company will pay for their abortions, is a giant virtue signal. It's signaling that we are progressives. I doubt anyone has availed themselves of this service, though, of course, I, I don't know for sure, of course. But I don't agree with a, a, a popular refrain on the right that companies do it so women don't need to take maternity leave. I, I think it's all in signal wokeness and to signal we support women. But do you? You pushed me out the door for using my voice and standing up for kids. Do you really support women or do you just want people to think you do? Well, Daily Wire said that, that some left-wing officials are now denying they had anything to do with prolonged uh, school closures, such as Anthony Fauci um, and Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, we also had CNN's Jake Tapper last week say that he was surprised we haven't had a national conversation about the damage done to kids by closing schools. Who did help shutter our schools? And what do you make of this denial? Well, Say said that governors shut down the schools. That's plain and simple. By March 25th of 2020, all U.S. public school buildings were closed. Every single one, even in South Dakota and Florida. So although we never had a national lockdown in America, 
we did have what amounted to a national school shutdown in the spring of 2020. Then in the fall of 2020, public schools in red states and private schools everywhere mostly open up, while public schools in blue states and school districts, by and large, remain closed. The, the direct responsibility for this devastating additional year of missing school lies with national, state, and local leaders of the Democratic Party. Ultimately, however, the person who is most responsible for the extended closure of American schools is Anthony Fauci. I mean, he was both the face and the voice of America's COVID response from the beginning. If he had wanted the public schools to be open, they would have been open. Fauci wanted schools closed. He stoked fears about children being both disease uh, vectors and and at significant risk themselves, rather than, um, rather than ally fears, and he was, uh, and he was obeyed by everyone at the beginning, and then he was obeyed mostly only by Democrats. Claims by left wing government and and health officials, including Fauci, that they are not responsible for school shutdowns are lies, but everyone now wants to distance themselves from this catastrophic policy choice. So they're all pretending that they didn't do it and had no role in it. Despite the strenuous objections and and sometimes active resistance of the Democrats, Governor Ron DeSantis forced Florida's schools to open in the fall of 2020. But now former Florida's uh, Democratic, uh, former Florida's Democratic candidate for governor, Charlie Chris, who lost by like 20 points, has gone so far as to accuse Governor DeSantis of doing a terrible thing by closing schools earlier in the year. The fact that no one is willing to take responsibility for closing schools is proof of how catastrophically wrong the policy was. I mean, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. You can remember that when DeSantis opened up Florida's schools, he was blasted for it. He he was he was called a murderer. He was called all kinds of names. It, it, there were so many things going on. Well, you know, uh, Florida, they're they're really uh, going to get hit hard because they're opening up their schools and they're not doing the, the mask thing anymore. She said, my parents, including myself, tried for two years to have a national conversation about the damage that would be caused by prolonged school closures. But journalists, education leaders, public health officials furthered the narrative that anyone challenging school closures was a racist and wanted teachers to die. The threat of being called a racist which was ostracizing and potentially even uh, you know, reason for dismissal from one's job, kept many silent. I mean, this silencing of dissent created a kind of manufactured consensus. And, and now, given the unfolding catastrophe, everyone wants to distance themselves from the horrible decisions that were made. And they pretend that the coercion and the silencing never happened. It's beyond maddening, especially for those who risked a great deal to speak out. I'd like an apology 
but I'm not holding my breath, she says. <laughs> and, I, and I wouldn't either in her case. So she was asked, do you think these people will ever be held responsible? And she said, no. I mean, short answer, no. In some instances at the local level, they will be. They'll be voted out in, in San Francisco. Three members of the, of the Board of Education were recalled. But I don't believe there will be a national consensus or a hearing of any kind that holds the key decision makers accountable. So then she's asked, do you feel all uh, at all vindicated now that we see all the damage lockdowns have done, primarily to children? She says, well, in a sense, sure. But even now, the, the sense of vindication is pretty limited. Number one, the kids were harmed. We open schools, we open school parents actually failed to influence sufficiently to get schools open in a reasonable amount of time. We were up against a machine that was pretty crushing and we tried, but it didn't happen. And number two, even now there is a huge percentage of people who say, you know, it was all necessary. Millions of lives were saved. A complete unprovable and, in fact, factually incorrect statement, but often said nonetheless. And number three, even for those willing to acknowledge that the extended school closures were not necessary and produced grave educational and mental health impacts, the statement is often, well, government and health officials meant well and and did the best that they could in, 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 in a difficult circumstance. So, not feeling so vindicated. But I was right, and, and I do believe that how right I was will become more and more apparent over time. But it won't change the fact that I lost my job or that children were harmed. So my feelings of vindication will always be somewhat muted, she says. So she was asked... You were an early uh, opponent of lockdown policy. What was the first thing that made you skeptical of our collective reaction? Was there anything in the in the science or recommended policy that first oriented you towards skepticism? And Say said that the data was available early on, that the risk was significantly age stratified. Median age of death coming out of Italy was in the 80s. And early data also suggested that the infection fatality rate overall was on par with the flu for anyone under 70 and even less for uh, than, than that for, for children. So it was, it always seemed like shutting down the world was inefficient at best extremely harmful in terms of adverse impacts at worst. Outside of school closures, which cause enormous harm to children globally, you can't shut down the world's economy and think there won't be horrific adverse consequences, which, of course, we are now seeing with inflation and businesses going under and and supply chain interruptions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These impacts are not just economic for you know many around the world. They affect mental health, uh, access to food and medicine, uh, uh, um, 
ability to provide for one's family, life expectancy, and, and more. But the lockdown lovers from the, the beginning sh- shouted uh, that all you care about is money. At, at those of us who said that the harms would be consequential, they're self-righteous, you know, um, egotistical, uh, and egotist, uh, yeah, uh, all, all of all of this stuff that they would say was just enraging. She said. So she was asked, "When did you start to speak out?" It seems the right quickly embraced you. How did you feel about that? As someone who really leans left politically, and say said, I, "I started very early, March 2020. No one at Levi's noticed for a time, nor did anyone on the right really." It wasn't until March March of 2021, going on the Fox News program, uh, the Ingram Show, uh, Ingram Angle, uh, that anyone really noticed. But the right didn't fully embrace me until after I resigned in February of 2022, which was two years after I started. And my main cohort until then seemed to be angry moms across the, the country fighting for normalcy with for their kids. They were from all political backgrounds. And as far as how it feels, well, my experience has been that the right-wing media has been willing to engage with me and and to respect my outspokenness despite the fact that they know we might disagree on other issues. I found the people I've gotten to know on the right as friends now to, to be tolerant and and to accept and accepting of my views that different from theirs. They don't assume that if we disagree on something, that makes me a terrible person. I've had intense and very interesting conversations on on the issue of abortion and and pro-choice, for instance. Um and and always respectful of course while while what i've gotten from the left including friends and former colleagues has been well you're a racist you're anti-trans you're you're fat phobic you're, you're you're anti-everything oh and a liar and a grifter and a fascist all because of open school advocacy and i think it's cruel and ineffective to 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 mass toddlers ultimately Ultimately, I'm willing to talk to almost anyone who is willing to discuss these issues, how children have been harmed, and what we're going to do about it. The illiberalism taking over uh, America's institutions, namely censorship and lack of due process, the general denial of reality, like how it was always obvious school closures and lockdowns were harmful I will say that the less betrayal of what I thought were core principles, like free speech, right to an education, right to bodily autonomy, um, equal treatment under the law, due process, has been shockingly upset. And she was asked, well, how would you describe your politics now? And she said, unaffiliated, (laughs) in favor of communication, compromise, and common sense for individual rights and liberties. I'll vote based on supporting kids and families and, and sanity. Lockdowns were, were insanity. 
and authoritarian. Uh, talk about a threat to democracy. It's governors assuming emergency powers and locking down citizens, telling us that we can't leave our homes while they do whatever they want. That scares me. The mayor's mandating vaccines to participate in society. I won't vote for anyone who even vaguely supports that. And, and I'll say this. Here's, here's a woman, a, a mostly liberal woman at that. And after more than 20 years with Levi Strauss and company, and despite being a well-liked executive, was, was on track to become CEO of, of the multi-million dollar corporation, but her refusal to shut up about COVID madness, specifically the, the, the policies of school lockdowns, it led to her ouster. All of this, she, 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 she checked all the boxes. She, she's part of all the different minority groups. But she's not allowed to be that anymore. Why? She was ousted from the company. Why? Because she didn't agree with one of the Democratic liberal talking points. This is hypocrisy. Nothing matters ex except if you know, you're not liberal-minded. It doesn't matter if you are part of, of any kind of minority group or, or special interest group. The only question is, are you on board with all of our leftist ideas? That's it. That's all. And that is what I'm talking about when I say about leftist hypocrisy. This is a great shining example of that. And you, you may agree with that. You may disagree with that. I would love to have that conversation with you. You can always have that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.